0: Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Today's episode of Elevating Motherhood is sponsored by Primally Pure, a company that excels at creating safe, natural skincare products made with quality ingredients. Primally Pure has become my go-to brand for clean, non-toxic face cleansers, creams, and serums. They're also the makers of my favorite all-natural and effective deodorant. I love their Blue Tansy one. For my personal review of their products and a discount code for listeners, go to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Primally Pure. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash Primally Pure. Today's guest is Melissa Dykeman, co-owner of Love & Beauty Maui, a successful bridal beauty team here on the island that focuses on spreading beauty and aloha. I knew Melissa before either of us had babies. Now we're both girl moms running businesses and chasing little kids. When I first talked with Melissa about elevating motherhood, she offered to come on the show and talk about beauty. I quickly said yes because she's so talented and insightful, and I really wanted to share her with you guys. Well, the next morning after I spoke with her, I woke up to a long text asking if she could change her topic. She really wanted to talk about her journey with anxiety instead. She said she felt ready to open up about it and share her story in the hopes that it will help others. And I think it will. And honestly, I was thrilled when I got the message because she had no idea that anxiety is at the top of the list of topics that I want to cover over and over again here on the show. I also want to point out that this topic can be triggering for some moms, so please consider this your warning if you're in a place in your life where anxiety, fertility, or miscarriage stories are a trigger for you. Hopefully, many of you will find Melissa's bravery and honesty to be encouraging and healing. I know I do. So let's welcome Melissa. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Lori Beth. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd love for you to start off from the beginning and share how anxiety first showed up in your life um, because from what I understand, okay. it has something, it isn't something that was an issue for you until you began your motherhood journey. Correct. Um
1: it wasn't at all. At the time, I thought it came out of nowhere. Um, I've said over and over that it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was just blindsided by it. Um, and after a year of self reflection, I can finally recognize that it was only a matter of time before my life came crashing down on me. Are you ready for the big event? Yeah. Okay. So, um, the big event that started it all was it was my first panic attack. Um, I had been working like a mad woman running around, 5 a.m. start times, uh, driving over to Wailea, back and forth. Um, September 7th, 2018 was the exact um, day of when the first one happened. Um, I had finished a 5 a.m. bride and her family, and I ran home for breakfast. While I was home, I noticed my breathing was really shallow. So I kept yawning, kept trying to catch my breath. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought I must have been tired. I drove to the other side, all day I was feeling like I just wasn't getting any air. My last bride of the day was in a room where there wasn't any AC, Um, and while I was curling her hair, I I thought I was going to pass out. I was struggling to breathe, Um, somehow I made it through her, I have no idea how. It's kind of a blur actually. Um, So I got in my car, driving back to the west side, I called my mom trying to distract myself and while I was on the phone with my mom, my hands they started to tingle. One arm was getting really numb. Mm-hmm. I got off the phone with my mom. I didn't tell her what I was feeling, but I just got off the phone I thought I need to focus on the road. So I was still driving um, and I got to the poly mm-hmm. and right right about the tunnel, my arms were so stiff and tingly and I couldn't move them.
0: Um, I, my well, legs. Well, you're on the most treacherous road. Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> in oh my gosh. It's terrifying.
1: Um, mm-hmm. I kept thinking like, what's, am I having a heart attack? Am I having a stroke? Right. Like, what's that happening
0: would to me? Be my first thought. Yeah.
1: So I called my husband. I barely had any service. Called him. I said, I, I don't know what's happening, but I don't feel good. Um, uh, and he's like, what do you, he started to get kind of upset because I wasn't able to explain myself you mean you don't feel good? Well, pull over if you don't feel good. And his parents live in Lahaina. I said, no, meet me at your parents. I can make it there. But by the time I got down from the poly, you know, where the road gets straight, mm-hmm. I pulled over and I called him again. And he said, Melissa, call 911. And I had to sit there for a minute and think, I, I'm not calling 911 on myself. This is ridiculous. I've never been to the hospital in my life besides having a baby. Wow. But I couldn't, at that point, my arms and my legs were so numb, I couldn't even reach for my phone anymore. I was dependent on my um, Bluetooth in my car to even make the call to him. So I'm, like, fumbling around with my phone, trying to dial nine one nine one one. It took 20 minutes for an ambulance to get to me. The dispatcher stayed on the phone with me the whole time. I was hysterical. I'm like, what's happening to me trying to get her to give me some, she's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I'll stay on the phone. That's great. She actually called my husband on another line and said she did pull over and call nine one one. The ambulance is on its way. So when they got to me, um, I couldn't move. I was completely stiff. Absolutely. Couldn't move. Um, they right away. checked my CO2 levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my CO2 level was in the C single digits. Apparently it's supposed to be between 40 and 60. I didn't even know what that meant at the time. What it means is I've been gasping for air for so long, all day long that, um, I had no CO2 in my, um, in my bloodstream, I guess, or my mm-hmm. air. I don't know. Anyway. So they took me to the hospital and I had every test in the books run on me. I mean, I had an EKG, a chest X-ray. They were checking for blood clot strokes, um, the works all the blood work they pumped me full volume just to get me to calm down mm. and they came back and they said you're fine everything's normal and I'm like crying because I'm like I'm I'm not fine something is not normal mm-hmm. i this is not right um my husband was there they sent me home with him with a prescription for Xanax and said call your doctor <laughs> so that was the first real that was the first time I had ever felt anything like that in my life um I did go to the doctor right away after. Um, took it easy for a few days. Made my appointment. He did an asthma test. A CT scan. Um, more blood work to test my thyroid. I mean, he wanted to cross everything off the list before he came back to me and said, you, let's talk about mental health. Hmm. So, um, but after that first panic attack, my life went back to being seemingly normal for months. I was okay. Um, and,
0: and I, Sorry, I'm, I'm just, no, okay. I'm, I'm, this is the first time I'm hearing this story too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, the poly and the yeah. test and all of this stuff. Did anyone in the emergency room say anything about panic attacks at all?
1: It, um, they did say it could have been a panic attack. They but it
0: was just like in just so blown passing. over. Yeah. Completely. And was it your regular doctor's? Was it on his or her list? He, um, not really. You
1: know, he was kind of determined to find something physically Physical. wrong with
0: me. Hm.
1: Yeah, so it wasn't until we had checked off a long list before
0: he finally said, "Let's let's talk about some maybe some therapy, mm-hmm. something that could help you." So you went from the ER to the doctor's office and then you said your they didn't find anything at that point, so then your life just kind of went back to normal. Yeah,
1: I didn't have any um it wasn't an ongoing anxiety
0: at that point. It mm-hmm. was this one panic attack,
1: and it kind of went away. Um, I took a few Xanax here and there when I would get, like, nervous or mm-hmm. something, but it was not to the extent that I felt then. Mm-hmm. So that was the start of it. It. I went into realizing I needed help um, after the holidays, after... December In the month of December, I found myself breathing heavy like that again. Mm. Don't know what brought that on. But um, I guess I was able to cope with it a little bit because I knew what it was, what was coming. I knew nothing was really physically wrong with me. Okay. So Um, you
0: did find some peace in all of those things. A little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, thank God I had them all because otherwise I'd still be thinking I had a blood clot. Uh For sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, But in... it, It... Got into early January. It took a major turn for the worse.
0: Worse than the incident on the poly, you yeah.
1: Think? It was an everyday, all day. Um, I was so beyond anxious. I was getting to the point that I wouldn't drive anymore. Um, I don't know if you've heard the term agoraphobic, but that was me. Mm-mm. I uh, agoraphobic is where you won't put yourself in certain situations. Or for me, it was almost like PTSD driving on the poly. I didn't want to do that again. Um, I didn't, definitely didn't want to do it alone. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I got to the point where, um, I couldn't work without taking a Xanax before I went to work. Every day. Every day. And I knew I didn't want to be dependent on Xanax. Um, after a very large wedding in mid January, I got into my car and I just, I lost it. I, I think it was the textbook definition of a full nervous breakdown is what I was having. Mm. Um, just couldn't control myself. I was so upset and I didn't know why. Um, I didn't know why I was feeling like this. So I drove myself to my
0: in-laws. They live in Lahaina and that's where my daughter was. So I was going to pick her up anyway. Um, Oh my gosh. In the middle of that, was it like you going to pick up your daughter? That was like the, um, like the trigger. Well, no, where, uh, like the strength. You know what I mean? To, like, move from point A to point B. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sometimes that is, yeah. I knew I had to do it. I had, I'm an adult with a kid. I can't Mm -hmm. not drive my
0: car. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. It
1: definitely was. I got there, and I was just hysterical. My mother-in-law put me in her car and drove me straight to Kaiser. And Mm. we pulled up, and she walked in, and she's like, somebody help her. She is not okay. And that was the day that we first started talking about medication. Mm. Um. And in my options, I couldn't live on Xanax. I didn't want to. And, um,
0: was it your regular doctor that day or a, a new doctor? It was a new doctor. Okay, so that would be a huge it's thing for me horrible. if I walked in and was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, you have to tell your whole story all over again. Yeah,
1: while you're in the middle of it. While you're in the middle of it. It's mm-hmm. awful. So the most comforting thing that day was. Um, the nurse that was checking my vitals, Mm -hmm. um, I'd seen her in Kaiser a couple of times and she said to me, you'll get through this. I've had panic attacks for years. I have two kids. I have terrible anxiety. She told me what has helped her. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, thank God this is the first person that has really said you will get through it and Mm -hmm. I can
0: relate. That's really lovely. Yeah. It made a huge difference. That's lovely. That's see, and that, that's powerful. Uh, mom like moms reaching out to other yes. moms and saying like in that moment some words of encouragement yes. and understanding and recognition yes. without the labels exactly yeah yeah that's amazing. You're gonna I'm, be okay. I'm giving her a high five. Yeah, <laughs> right now through the clouds. That's yes. amazing. Good on you, sister. Wow. Every time I go into Kaiser, I always like <sighs> give her a little smile. I know. Over I here. bring her a donut every I time. Or <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you had no choice then at that point but to start reaching out to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And so did you find that people believed you? Were they happy? That was the hardest part.
1: Yeah, when it's not something you can physically see,
0: people don't understand.
1: My husband yeah. didn't understand. I love him to death. He did not understand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was—he uh, got to a point where he could help me a little bit cope, but I mean, he just wanted me to be me. Yeah, uh, but he was frustrated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so mm-hmm. that day at Kaiser, they prescribed me Zoloft, the generic, um, and I—it takes a long time for those medications to work. They can take up to three months to work. Wow. And I was in the heat of thick anxiety. Like, it, it, I, it was the worst it could be. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I couldn't be alone with my daughter. I was too afraid of, I, I thought I needed to be institutionalized, honest to God. Mm-hmm. I was like, put me somewhere that I can't hurt myself. I didn't feel, I never had depressed thoughts or suicidal thoughts or anything like that. But I just was afraid of, I didn't know if I could fly off the handle at some point. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, I spent about a week on my mother-in-law's couch. I had my husband drop me there on his way to work. My, took my daughter to daycare and I was on her couch under a blanket hiding and also being cared
0: for because I couldn't take care of myself.
1: Mm -hmm. It was awful. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Did it feel awful because you felt helpless? I felt
1: so helpless. I felt so embarrassed. Oh. I felt like I didn't want to tell anybody, and none of my friends even know that part about it. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows that she and my husband are pretty much the only, and my mom, are the only people that know that it was that bad. Mm-hmm. That I couldn't. I remember um, day two on her couch, my daughter was starting ballet, so we were going to Body and Balance for ballet, and I was crying because I was like, I can't take my daughter to ballet on her first day of ballet. I was so upset about it, and she, my mother-in-law came with me. We all went, and I it was... I'm, i was. I must have been numb. I. I can't even describe how I feel. It's like it was a dream or something mm. that I was even able to get there. But it's, it's like now looking back, like, what do you mean you can't take your daughter to ballet? It's crazy. Uh, it's
0: well, hindsight is twenty. Exactly. You know, like you can. We can look back at things and try yeah. to see them through those not that moment eyes right. all the time. And I, and we do. I think as moms, put this extra pressure on ourselves to show up for all the first, no matter yes, what. Absolutely. You know, and we keep the, the first everything, you know, the first picture of this, first yes. picture of that, and we just have like this over the top enormous pressure yes. to do that. And I found um, some moms who don't feel that way. Usually, they're moms of multiples, yeah. <laughs> like multiple uh, moms, sure. and they're like, "Oh well, I missed that for you know." So, I saw the first one do it. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I saw laughs> they're like, "It's good." But their um, relaxation about yeah. that has helped me a lot. But it's still like in that moment, I we yeah. we do we put that pressure on ourselves, We sure. feel that pressure, and it that that part is really hard. It is so. But you yeah. showed up. You technically did. I
1: tried. I did. I mean, I, I was there. Maybe mm-hmm. not
0: mentally, but physically, I was there. Um, yeah. Well, do you feel <laughs> like so? You had a small group of people who knew this was going on. Very there. small. Um, and um how do I put this without like making it seem like I'm outing them or anything, but just as a topic in general, I feel like a lot of people don't know how to help in these situations. Completely. Do you feel like people didn't know how to help? Mm -mm.
1: No, my husband didn't know what to do except just what I told him, like take me to your mom's.
0: Mm
1: My mom got on an airplane immediately. She lives in California and Mm. she was out here within days. Um, and she was she and my mother in law are sense. I mean, they they pulled me out of a lot of. It's easy to get really get into a dark place when you're feeling like this. I've never sure. never had depression, um, but I became really depressed in that time because I felt like I was at rock bottom.
0: Mm.
1: Um. So yeah, people don't. uh it's hard. It,
0: it's hard to tell them what what you need, too, because you don't know. Sure. And when you're in the thick of it, I mean, and it's new yeah. to you, how could you know? You don't. And then chances are high because we're so quiet and hush-hush exactly. about in our society that no one knows how to deal with it because no. we're not talking about it, let alone how to deal with right. it. Right. But I do think a lot of moms experience anxiety on some level, whether it's caused by hormones, the pressures of our busy modern lives, lack of connection, or just being worried. Honestly, for me, the worry that something might happen to my kids. Absolutely. All the time. And it creeps in on many of us. And I, (laughs) I don't feel like we talk about it enough in a healthy way. No. One that normalizes it, but also gets us closer to how to approach it. So having gone through it, would you agree that all those stigmas are in place? And what do you think There's so those many stigmas, stigmas are? They're, they are so real.
1: The word anxiety, it gets thrown around really loosely, I think. Oh, um, I would agree. I think, you know, oh, that gives me anxiety. Or, you know, that term, mm-hmm. you hear it all the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's when it's a real problem. It's it's hard to define the level of your anxiety when you hear it so frequently, mm. and I think people almost think, "Oh, whatever, you're you." It's just anxiety. Like, just why can't you show up or why can't you do that? Get over your anxiety. And mm. um, there's so many stigmas. Um, I would say that it should be taken more seriously. Um. The things, I mean, you asked me earlier what had helped me, what had helped me get through it. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest stigmas is if you're in therapy. I think there's such a big stigma behind therapy. And I um, it means, I, I mean, even I thought before, like, why do you need mental help like that? Or what mm-hmm. could you possibly talk to your therapist about? Therapy has helped me through it so much.
0: Oh, uh, I've been to therapy. I love it. I've been to good therapy. I've been to bad therapy. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's something to it. Yeah. And it's there for a reason. Yeah. Because we're not supposed to know how to do everything. We're uh-huh. not born knowing how no. to handle every single situation all no. the time. And especially with something as big as anxiety. Yes.
1: Yes. So, mm. yeah, stigmas
0: are, are, are terrible in mm. all mental health aspects, I think. Oh, I would agree. Um, I think talking about them helps. Yes. And I think taking action helps. Yes. Um, So what did you find that worked for you specifically?
1: Well, first and foremost, medication.
0: Yeah. Um, To get me back on my feet.
1: uh, It's still not perfect. I've switched to three different ones. Mm. Antidepressants are very, um, very fickle medications. They take a long time to work, sometimes up to three months, like I said, and you just have to sit there and wait sometimes they have terrible side effects the Mm -hmm. first one I took the first night I was on my bathroom floor throwing up it was horrible that was the extreme of side effects um uh, I found one to help take the edge off and I was on it for a couple of months and when I finally decided to go I was recommended to see a psychiatrist who specialized in it and I recommend that to anybody who's dealing with any kind of situation that they need meds because your general practitioner doesn't know everything. They can't. They They're can't. General. They're people, too. Yes. They're just people. And so they give you what is most popular to prescribe. Mm-hmm. When I went to, the, I learned about all these drug classes I'd never heard of. What's an SSRI? What's an SNRI? I didn't know at the time. Um, so the psychiatrist really helped me through that and has me, I think we're pretty figured out now. I'm. It's not perfect every day, but mm-hmm. it has helped. Um Fitness is another thing that um, I have to keep moving. If I don't, I can kind of get in a static place where
0: my thoughts run too far. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe very firmly in a mind-body connection. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, me starting a regular workout um, totally changed yeah. everything for me. It, it It's not about... For me, it was never about getting skinnier yeah. or anything like that. It was like getting stronger, but then also... Um, specifically for me when I was taking bar yes. that mental disconnect and that they encourage you to get into your body more yes. and like get out of your head and get into your body and yes. just but in order to do that you have to use your mind to do that so I know. It's, like, <laughs> it's all interconnected yeah. and I right. I love it there's so many benefits to it and I'm not saying it's going to fix everything, but it's definitely a component. It's a component. It is,
1: I do think it is a huge component in mental health. I try to mm-hmm. do three to four days a week of at least getting up and moving, even if it's just a stroll to the park with my daughter, and mm-hmm. I'll try to jog there a little bit with the stroller. Um, we go on a lot of walks. Like, we live up north, so a couple of duck pond is one of our favorite things to do. So and fun. Yeah, it, it's a good way to get out and spend time with my daughter at the same time while I'm mm-hmm. doing it. I do try to incorporate her in most of I even sit there and make her news squats with me. She's <laughs> That's funny. amazing. She's she three. would, too. She's <laughs> <Yeah>. so cute. <laughs> She's a funny one. She's so cute. Um, let's see. Other things that have helped. So playing with my diet. Um, I can't say that it's entirely going to ever help anybody. But for me, I work really odd hours. I'll work a long period of time on a bridal party, and I don't yeah. get a break. So right. a lot of times it's through a lunch period where I don't get to eat. So really focusing on keeping myself nourished throughout the day, having mm-hmm. a lot of snacks available, and that's a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in balance. I yeah. have tried to eat more to support my hormones. I've done a little bit of research, a lot of research in that. Um, and so eating, you know, your good fats, your avocados, your eggs, your almonds, things like that that can help with hormones has maybe helped me a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I do think there's a correlation. It's not gonna. It's not a fix all, though.
0: Right. There isn't a fix all. Right. No. Yeah. I. It sound, it's sounding like there's a whole basket full it's of things. Such a basket. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So yeah, I guess in some soul searching, it can be a blessing and a curse. Um, sitting down and thinking too much leads mm-hmm. you to kind of go down a deep dark hole. So I have to limit that, but. I will say in the months that I have been feeling better, taking a step back and really looking at what I was doing during that time that got me to such a dark place Mm -hmm. has helped.
0: Mm -hmm. Did it have to do with your motherhood journey? Completely. Yeah.
1: I put a lot of pressure on myself.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um,
1: Well, and I'll tell you something I found yesterday that I'd never heard of before. um, And I think it is what led up to the anxiety. Hmm. Um, when I was doing a little research for this, I came across a term um, postpartum OCD and I don't think it's ever talked about.
0: No, I've never heard of
1: it. Yeah. So we wrote down a couple things about it to share, but um, they say that only about three to 5% of women um, come forward with it because of their fear of the ramifications. But when I read it, I thought that was me and I felt so alone From basically the day my daughter was born Mm. and I didn't know why I I, um, so what it is is um, it's the fear of causing harm to your baby it sounds crazy like I feel Mm. like a crazy person talking about this first time I've ever spoken about it out loud Um, and so you have this constant fear of harming your child and thoughts run through your head Of how that could happen. And it's not something you would ever in a million years act out on. Mm -hmm. But you become afraid of everyday tasks. For me, something... I I sound crazy. The kitchen knives. I was terrified of kitchen knives. Because I thought, what if something came over my body that made me lose control and I stabbed my child? It's not crazy. It's It's not crazy. Real. I I used to think about... Just terrible things that could happen Mm -hmm. to my daughter, and thoughts that you never want to. I mean, it's like horrible, horrible things. But you don't vocalize them because Mm -hmm. you think I'm going to be locked up, have my child taken away from me, Mm -hmm. and then I would go down a road of oh my god. And if that, I could end up in prison. Over and then you're
0: like, what? I know the The spiral. The The spiral spiral of this stuff is unreal. Yeah. Because it's just this dialogue, this anxiety-driven dialogue that happens. Yeah. I mean. I know what you're talking about, even down to the knife example of like, you know, just having like, and what if this, and what if that, and what if this, and what if that? And then you're like, why am I thinking this? And I have, then I have thought about it in a different way, (laughs) which is why are we thinking about this? And is it because we're presented with all of these awful things on television Is it and, and things that happen in the news that you're like, how could anybody do that? Exactly. How is that even a thing? Yes. And then you start to, I wonder on some level, we start to question ourselves of like, if someone else is capable of that, like who is capable of that? Where does this come from? That's exactly
1: where it is. It's... Yes. It's mm-hmm.
0: it's so scary. So mm-hmm. And you're supposed to be having this what society says is this picturesque newborn yes. time of swaddled up, you know, everything and yeah. then you discover it's loneliness and anxiety yes. and poop and all of these other yes. non glamorous <laughs> things. And then you're left to deal with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so glad that you brought it up because I think it's going to be really powerful for people to hear that, you know, they aren't the only ones real. who have these anxious thoughts yeah. and that it spirals for yeah. them. And it doesn't make sense. And who are you going to talk with about you it? You can't. And at that point, you know, you go, at, I remember my postpartum checkup. I was I don't know,
1: six or seven weeks postpartum. Yeah. And I went into Kaiser and they had four questions. Are you suicidal? Would you cause harm to yourself or your baby? Are You, you know, it's like those four things and you check no on all of it and you hand it back. Mm-hmm. They don't speak of it after. They don't speak of any type of postpartum anything. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was ha- going down this crazy road every day. I mean, it consumed me sometimes. And I thought if I brought it up to my doctor, I'd be, I keep saying institutionalized. I really thought that. I was mm-hmm.
0: terrified of being put in a mental institution. For sure. <laughs> uh, for sure. I, I mean, what you're saying is a legitimate concern yeah. because we are so afraid because we have these yeah. crazy, this word, it's such a catch-all word, but we have these crazy things in place where four, those four questions aren't enough. No. It's not thorough. And we no. don't want anything like legally binding document Mm-mm. saying, yeah, so I check this saying it might harm my baby. So, you know, can I talk to somebody about it? That's Absolutely not, not how it works. No, and It's just not how it works. Yeah. And then we're left most of the time. If it's your first child, you haven't found a mom's group yet. No, you have you have no support. No. And by your husband the time doesn't know this. Ca- <sighs> no. So in my Mm -hmm. research on
1: this postpartum OCD, what I found, and this actually will segue us into into a fertility conversation, um, I found that it is a severe drop in your hormones after giving birth that puts these thoughts into your head. Mm -hmm. Your hormones drop so low, you are left really confused. Yeah. And my hormones going into, uh, pregnancy were very low to the point where I had, um, I had to use Clomid to get pregnant. Um, we had, we struggled with fertility for, uh, three years. We had one miscarriage in the middle after a test that I had had, I miraculously got pregnant one time and then lost it about eight weeks in. And, um, so a year later, we tried the Clomid. I did two rounds of it. Well, with such a low progesterone level, the Clomid synthetically spikes it. And then I'm synth- I'm spiked mm. my whole pregnancy. And then directly after giving birth, I don't have this synthetic hormone in me anymore. And I just crashed, crashed and burned. Yeah. And nobody <sighs> talks to you about that. So I was...
0: Oh, man. That may Like, I have chills all over my body because I feel like you were given you were just it's such a disservice it's such a disservice to women not to talk about yes. this the crash in general yes. that happens unless you have doulas postpartum doulas definitely or other moms or that you it's the second go-round or something and you know that this is going to happen if it's your especially if it's your first time around how on earth would you ever know about no, this? everyone talks about this blissful experience oh, that you have
1: so I was at my psychiatrist this past week, um, and we check in about mm-hmm. once a month, and he's great. I love him. He's um, very helpful, and he looked at my chart, and he said, you know, a year ago, you were prescribed Clomid. It was exactly a year ago, last August, and now my panic attack was the first week of September, and he said, did you take it? I said, no, actually, I just got busy, and I never... we." we were going to try again for a second and then just life kind of happened and I didn't take it that month. And then I had the panic attack and I was trying to just manage my own life
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: I never took it. And he said, don't take that again.
0: And I was like, wow,
1: why? I didn't know. And he said this to me. And then I read about this postpartum OCD and it specifically talks about the drop in your hormones. And he talked about the drop, and I'm like light bulbs going off. Mm -hmm. I feel like our medical system does such a disservice to moms. And huge. It's huge.
0: Uh, God bless them. <laughs> there are some really awesome ones out there. And, you know, not nobody's perfect. No. We're all just people, whatever. But I think there's no denying that on some level the system is broken if you can't focus on the whole person yes. and yes you did accomplish the pregnancy and yes you did get through that but there's yes. so much other support it's almost like there's like a liaison person that is completely missing yes. or something not that I can like come up with these like solutions to this but just from the outside looking in and based on this information it just feels like there's a missing person that could bring it all together yeah
1: and well and I think about it too I remember sitting in the waiting room for that postpartum checkup that I had at six or seven weeks, and I remember from far away, you know, I've got Quinn with me, and from far away, I see the pamphlets on the wall, mm-hmm. and there's one pamphlet there about postpartum depression, and I looked at that, and I thought, I, I don't feel depressed, although I do have this awkwardness in my brain I can't really describe, but it's a room full of people. I'm not going to be the girl that gets up and picks Stand up, a pamphlet, up. On, a pamphlet on postpartum right. depression and goes and sits back down. Right. Who would do that? Right. Nobody. It's so shameful, right?
0: Well, you I mean, you feel like that yeah, in the moment. You do feel like that in the <laughs> moment, but you're right. But there's nothing else to do in the room but except look around cuz you're you're so nervous yes. and anxious whether you're in there because you're pregnant or because you just had your baby uh-huh. and it's almost like you're just supposed to be showing off your newborn mm-hmm. instead of being like, "Hey, I I'm sensing some issues, but I'm I, my hormones are so off." Yeah. Um that I'm not even sure which way is up. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and you do, you talk yourself out of it. And those pamphlets just sit there collecting dust. Yes, nobody grabs those. No, it makes me want to go grab one and find out what's actually in it. I know. To see if it's really helpful or I not. Know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was going to ask you um, what role you thought hormones played in all of this. Um, but clearly. A lot. It played a huge role. Um before your psychiatrist, is mm-hmm. that what it is? I'm, I have both therapist okay. and a psychiatrist. What's the difference between the two? The therapist don't doesn't... know.
1: Yeah, so I didn't know either in the beginning. Um, a therapist it doesn't prescribe medication, isn't typically as knowledgeable about medication. I'll ask him questions. He doesn't, he, he doesn't like to get into it. So mm. the psychiatrist, um, he knows everything. He's my savior right? Yeah. Um, I feel like having both on my team
0: are, it's a really good combo. Great. Yeah. Um, where was he the first person to bring up hormones? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All of those people you saw along the way. And he was the first yes. person to turn the light bulb on for yeah. you. The only person I take that back. I
1: had, um, I, in the last few months I've reached out to Old friends, new friends, you know, kind of looking for moms that have experienced similar. Sure. And one old friend of mine, um, she has three kids, and I saw a post of hers on Facebook that was talking about her hormones being related to some anxiety and depression, and Mm. I reached out to her, and we have had a dialogue going back and forth about it. Um, So she was the first person to
0: put the thought in my head, but this is, my psychiatrist is the first doctor to talk about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you found what works for you. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind of what didn't work for you along the way? Um, yes, I would
1: say when you're in the thick of it, meditation is not your friend. Mm. You, I spiraled terribly. I downloaded all the apps. I Mm -hmm. set my, my, uh, alarm on my phone to, you know, meditate for this amount of time and, when you don't really know how to meditate, anyway, it's hard to get out of your own head. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was trying to like listen to meditative um, adult you know adult story time books before going sure. to bed, things like that. I did not find that helpful. Um, I just found myself going down a deeper path, darker path. Um, also, podcast. There's a lot of podcasts about um, coping with anxiety. Not real stories, just about people who want to tell you what to do. Those did not... For me, they didn't help. They just made me think more about it. hmm I didn't want to hear... I, it's such a touchy time. Yeah. Um, things that really did help were seeking out information from somebody that had been through it. Yes. That was the most powerful thing to me. Um. The first thing I ordered on Amazon was this book. I told my therapist about it, and he's, well, that's an enticing title. It's From Panic to Power. I've read oh. it cover to cover
0: three times. Okay. My therapist says,
1: how, how powerful do you feel now? Not powerful at all.
0: Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Best book review I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But the important thing about it is it had real life stories of real people they, yeah. that had panic attacks while they were driving, that were afraid to be alone with their children. Mm-hmm. That it Before the book arrived on my doorstep, I was in such a state of anxiety that the Amazon reviews of the book were
0: helping me get through it. I was going, it's crazy. I, I, that's the best ever. Really? (laughs) I'm saying wow, because I'm like, yes, that is, that is how little information Mm -hmm. and openness are out there. Yes. I was going on
1: obsessively reading. There was like 500 Amazon reviews and I probably read all of them over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And then the book came and I just was stuck in this book for days. It helped me a lot just knowing I wasn't the only one.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You were brave. You reached out. You didn't really have a choice. I didn't have a choice. I had to. When you reached out, how would you describe how people's reactions? Were people cold? Were they deer in the headlights? Were they like, come give, I'll give you a hug. I don't know anything else. Like how?
1: All of it. Yeah. So um, my business partner, Jill, knows probably the most about me aside from being a business partner, she's a best friend. I mean, we have a great relationship. She was the most, I would say, comforting, um, but also real. Like, you know, she not to out her, but she has had, you know, bouts in the past and was able to really relate to what I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, at the same point in her life, had a child and remembered – a lot about that um, so that was she was great um, and I, my husband God bless him he didn't know
0: God bless all husbands I know
1: mm. we love them but mm-hmm. he didn't know and
0: how could you again he, we're just people
1: yeah so he got frustrated yeah. in the beginning he was really sure. frustrated um, my parents my parents were just worried like parents yeah. would be they just wanted me to be okay. Um, but I didn't talk to friends about it when I was in that. I had one other friend who I spoke to about it who had been through similar situations and I had known about her situations. And so she was really comforting too, but it's a hard place to talk to anybody.
0: Yeah. You don't just pick up the phone and go, Hey, No. It's true. And when I think about all the moms who have ever reached out to me to talk about it um, on any level, share anything with me, there's no graceful way now. to really come out and be like, so I'd like to dive into this big topic with you. Right. And then here it all is. Yeah. For me, there is a level of relief of like, okay, we, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And we both experience it on different levels and we're always, everyone's going to experience everything in their yeah. own unique Way. So when people share, I'm never like, oh man, wow. I have it, but not on that level. And No, instead, it's like, thank you. Yeah. Because I know, for me, it's important for me to open up. I know, for you, it's important to open up, too. Absolutely. It's super therapeutic. Sure. Well, we're not the people also saying, here, fill out this form. Right. You know, or, hey, I'm- by the way, um, you know, are you sure? Let me run some tests first. Mm-hmm. We're not that person. We're on a scale just- of one to ten, <laughs> exactly. how suicidal are you? I, mean, I get asked that question every time I go to the
1: psychiatrist. Okay. Okay. Not at all, but you know they ask it.
0: Yeah, that, that it's such an intense journey. Yeah, but we have to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't know. Maybe there's some people out there who can deal with it without talking about it, but for it's just I need that outlet. I do too, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: And it's um, since I've opened up more and more to people about it. I mean, and I mean I don't mean this in a way that would offend anybody, but it's like the Me Too movement.
0: Mm, yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. You too? You, you know? Uh, it's part of that. This is going to sound real hooty dooty. <laughs> but um, my listeners are going to ha- just have to know that I'm pretty hooty dooty sometimes. <laughs> um, it's like an awakening mm-hmm. that's happening. It's it's like a this doesn't have to be closeted. This doesn't have to be something that we just deal with in private. Um, we're never waving it as a flag by talking about it. Like, I have anxiety. Look at my flag over here. Instead, it's just you get to show up as your whole person, whatever that means. And I feel like a lot of us don't talk about it because we're afraid of labels. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the things that really bothers me about it is that I feel like women are so afraid of being labeled as crazy. Yes. That word that keeps showing up is that if you I say it all the time. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I feel like um, <laughs> it's semantics is going to be part of the movement too, but we'll just have to figure that out <laughs> as it goes along. But it, I, I think they also worry about being defined by others as having anxiety. Mm-hmm. of Like, oh, that's Lori Beth. She has anxiety. Yes. Oh, that's Melissa. She has anxiety. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of us, are living with anxiety and for me it's the not talking about it that makes me crazy that word Um, (laughs) at first um, when I realized that it's something I struggle with I felt like I wasn't allowed to talk about it or show up as my full self and then I had to hide it and quite honestly I didn't even know what it really was until after I had my second baby Um, and I'm Like I said, I'm not trying to wave it as a flag, but I want it to be more normalized so that when it is talked about, there isn't such a stigma surrounding it. You know, on some level, we're encouraged to act like it's not even real, like we're not surrounded by constant triggers for anxiety on a daily basis. But as you've discovered in some of your solutions and others that I'd like to point out, there are actually many factors that influence our anxiety levels on a daily basis, whether we admit to, quote unquote, having anxiety or not you know, everything from the food we eat, our sugar intake, caffeine, how much we do or don't move our bodies, um, overwhelming schedules, family issues, pressure at work, finances, I mean, even road rage on a daily basis, Um, decision fatigue, hormone changes, traumas, our past, worrying about the future, worrying about our kids, screen time, phone addiction. I mean, the list goes on. I believe that we are absolutely primed in our society for anxiety. And I almost feel like we have to actively try not to be anxious, given all these factors. Absolutely. So well said. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I just, I want to bring it up on the show a lot. Um, Like I said, not to wave a flag, but to normalize it and to talk about it.
1: I think normalizing is the best way I've heard it being put. I mean, we see normalized breastfeeding all over the place. We see yeah. normalized so many things. Normalizing mental health issues in general, because there—I mean, I don't—I don't remember what the statistics are, but it's a huge portion of our country that mm-hmm. deals with it. I remember my mom when she came out here when I was really in the thick of it, and um, she was talking about another friend whose daughter struggles as well, and she said, "Why your generation?" And I was thinking about it later, and I thought, I mean why our generation? But then I thought, maybe it's not just our generation. Maybe their generation just didn't talk about it.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because I believe that there are hereditary components. Definitely. And it wasn't until I started mumbling the word that I found out People in my circle (laughs) have it, and I'm not going to out anybody, but I'm like, wow, why aren't we talking about it? And if I had known that so-and-so, you know, is taking medication for this or has been struggling with this or found a healthy way to deal with this or is happier because of this, it wouldn't have been so awkward for me to bring it up. I would have just been like, oh, I could have leaned into you. Mm -hmm. I would have really liked that yeah. for the record. I maybe wouldn't have gotten this far. Yeah, th- this far down the path. Uh-huh. And that's not blaming. It's no. just changing, like showing the need for change, mm-hmm. of, and and us being the change for our daughters. I was going to say, don't you think you will
1: check in with your daughters and regularly yeah. through their childhood and into adulthood
0: about? How they're feeling because oh, you know. For sure. Um, anxiety is not going to be a label in our house. No. It's just going to be a touch point. Yes. For sure. It's going to be, you are welcome to talk about this. You're welcome to talk about it openly. Mm-hmm. For sure. But that's a very conscious decision yeah. on Chris and I's part. Yeah. For sure. Um, gosh, what I'm thinking about is the labels that really bug me. I'm afraid of being labeled. Like our society is going to be like, oh, you have anxiety? Okay, you go in this box. But, but we're more than just one part of ourselves. And I think you and I are the perfect examples of that. Mm-hmm. We're moms, wives, business owners, dreamers, professionals, friends, yeah. and we have anxiety. But we're also admitting it to ourselves and now others that we actively deal with it. And I think that's key. We're not just saying we have anxiety. We're looking into the causes. We're digging deeper. We're finding out what triggers it. And we're also staying aware and active about yes. it. Oh, man, (laughs) this issue. It's such a big
1: issue. I know you'll talk about it so much more Mm -hmm. on your show.
0: Yeah, and I I love when other moms talk about it, Mm -hmm. and I want other moms to talk about it with me, with their other mom friends, open up about it, because there is this just big breath of fresh air and this sigh of relief like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. And I know that not everybody deals with it. Um, And so maybe there are some people, some listeners who are like, this just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't know what that is, but um, I'm wondering about ways we can encourage them to help. Maybe people who don't understand. Um, Oh God, that's such a hard topic.
1: Encouraging them to help, just listening. Listening Mm -hmm. and being supportive, not trying to give advice or fix or fix it. Yeah. It's not something you can fix Mm -hmm. in a conversation. I think that was a really hard one for my husband to grasp. You know, all men, they just want to fix it. They want to fix it for sure. Just be done with it already. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he listens now. He listened when I was prepping for this last night. I kind of went through a couple of topics with him and, and he really listened and didn't try to Try to fix anything and That's there. totally dateable, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell my husband. I'm like, you know, you just sitting there listening, that's totally dateable yeah. right now. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs>
1: it is. Oh it's the gosh. biggest help, I think, because mm-hmm. when you're trying when you're trying to tell somebody in that moment this is what you should do, mm-hmm. it's the last thing they want to hear and they're going to close the door.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I think one of the best ways to be supportive, it, like you said, listening is number one. Yeah. And not closing that door. Yeah. Because even if it's not something that you're dealing with, everyone yeah. is dealing with something. Something. And there is no one person out there that's going to understand a hundred percent of what it is you're going through, but they're going to need support at some point too. And if you can, um, I really feel like strong friendships can be built on that. definitely Honesty, vulnerability, that becomes genuine connection. So if someone's reaching out to you and talking with you about a topic that maybe you don't fully understand, just that listening is just listening. Oh, it's so helpful. It is so helpful. Uh, So what would you say to moms who are listening, um, who might be wondering if they, they do need help with anxiety moms who might be doing what you did, how would you help them, you know, besides realizing that they're not alone? Yeah, I would say, um, find a person,
1: find a person who's been through it that you can talk to. That was one of the most helpful things to me was, was I had two people, like I said, Jill and another friend, my business partner, Jill and another friend who, who had been there. And that was very helpful. Um, and seek out, I guess, don't be close-minded to all of all the things. Mm-hmm. Try it all. And I hear from so many women, but I don't want to be dependent on a medication. You don't have to be if you don't want to be. But I will tell you, it changed my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so don't be close-minded to everything. You don't have to try it if you don't want to try it. But... They are made for a reason, mm-hmm. so I do advocate for if you're really in a in a tough place, just think about try, research a little bit, listen to people who have had success and who haven't had success, and weigh all the factors. I think that you get medication something that gets a big stigma. We talked about stigma. And I don't yeah. need to backtrack, but that is no, something that has a huge stigma, and. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if I wasn't if I didn't find what worked for me mm-hmm. in
0: that way. So just try all the things. I think that's lovely advice and <laughs> uh encouraging openness and yeah. honesty. And trying all the things yeah. because you're definitely, if you're going through something like this, you it's new uncharted territory yeah. for each person who's starting off on that yes. journey or in the thick of it or whatnot. So I think that's really super solid advice. Yeah. And, you know, also we look at Instagram,
1: Facebook, whatever we look at, and we see these picture-perfect moms. And we think, oh, how do they do it so well? Like, I mean, I come up here, I'm like, how does Lori Beth do it with three kids and, <laughs> you know, so many balls in the air?
0: But you sell my house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's comforting. Okay, good. It's real messy <laughs> today in particular. Thank God. She's not perfect oh, heck at no. home. Oh,
0: no. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs>
1: because it's true. You know, you compare yourself, and you're like, how does she do it all? She homeschools, and then, you know, and, but really
0: nobody's perfect at the end of the day oh, gosh no and there'll be so many balls that have fallen before I go to bed tonight yeah. but I prioritize sleep so I'm going to bed anyway but, Yes, <laughs> thank you I go to bed so early but uh, I do too <laughs> yeah it's,
1: it's just don't don't compare yeah everybody has something
0: mm-hmm Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you. Maria. I actually would love to have you back and take you up on your offer to talk about beauty oh, as I well. I would love to. It would be a little more uplifting than this. Uh, <laughs> it'll be amazing. Um, it's actually one of the messages that I want to talk about here on the show and promote is that none of us are ever defined by one thing in our life, right. one um, label or our job or anything, yeah. our roles. And I think it's super important to, for people to know that you can have anxiety and still want everyday beauty tips definitely (laughs) (laughs) you totally can you can still want to walk out the house with your hair cold it's okay yes yes 100 percent. so if people want to reach out to you and find you and connect with you more about this topic where can they find you
1: okay so um well my business business is love and beauty maui at love and beauty maui on instagram um but i just today launched my um instagram blog, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, so it's called Still a Good Mama, and I really want to share my journey and be an advocate for other women that are going through this. Please reach out
0: to me. I would love to connect, share all of that. That's amazing. What a gift you are unwrapping for so many moms out there. Thank you so much for being you, for being brave, for showing up and sharing. It's so important. Oh, thank you I so much. I appreciate you. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration, or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.